We need oxygen for kingdom living. And some of the things that we've said, just to bring you up to speed, because I have been sharing this more in the morning than here, but I've said it's a sacrificial, selfless love. So in defining what this kingdom love is, it's sacrificial and it's selfless. I've shared how it lays its life down for other people. This love lays one's life down for the Father and for others. It puts itself second. 1 Corinthians 13 is phenomenal for addressing what this kingdom love actually looks like. It's selfless, it endures, it perseveres, it continues to come even when offense is, is, is thrown back at it. It's just sort of all-consuming. And I've been sharing how to love like this. See, this isn't a human love. This is the love of the Father. So to love like this, you need the Father in you. You need the Holy Spirit more, growing more and more in you because it's impossible to love like that. See, we think we love unconditionally, but we don't. We love conditionally. His love is unconditional. And so to love like this, it's got to be Him in you that comes forth. And so He's forming that. We're on this journey of that being formed in us. And that happens through a variety of ways, through just direct revelation from Him, where He'll reveal His love to you. Supernaturally download like He did to Peter. Just a download to Paul. A download. I do believe it's because of a heart posture that's hungry for him. Because John seven thirty seven says, If any man is thirsty, meaning man or woman, let them come to me and drink. And he who believes in me from their innermost place will come rivers of living water. There's an interaction. Come to me, all those who are what? Weary. But what we never preach after that is learn from me. We love this idea of we come with all our burdens, we lay them down, and we go back, and then, I don't know, six months we're back again because we don't learn from me because I'm humble in heart. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's great. We've, we, it's awesome what Jesus has done, but it's the start. And I think, you know, as leaders, we've just sort of said it finishes here. And so we never sort of move past the point of the cross and, you know, we find life at the cross, but we're not necessarily living in the abundance of the cross. And Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life abundant. I've come to take your life the day we meet and completely transform you into me. And that's what I was trying to share or was sharing this morning, that you would live a divine life here on the earth because it's him in you that's actually living. And so we've been dialoguing about this, and my key thought tonight is this, because I've been asking some questions around, okay, if you said the great commandment is to love you and to love others, that's the commandment, I'm not talking about the commission, the commandment first, and then God said this, he said, I'm going to give you a new commandment, so those things still exist, okay, it's not that takes care of that, no, I'm just going to give you, add to this another new one. He says, the new commandment I give you today is to love one another as I love you. So when you stop and think about that, he's saying, I need to love Rolf and Almy as he loves me. Well, that's that phenomenal love. He loves me phenomenally. That you laid down your life, you who set me free. Yabba-dabba-da. 
That's how I need to love Rolf and Naomi. And it's a command. So I've been wrestling with these questions like, okay, if, if the church is to love Christ, love others, love one another, which you could marry together, are we known for love? Does the world look at you and I, because they don't look at a building, they look at God's people, and am I, this is what I'm asking, am I known for love? Not how well I can preach, not how much money I give, not whether I go overseas or not and speak in Cambodia and all these places or get to travel and do all this stuff. First place, am I known for love when people encounter me in the church and out of, meaning in the church, meaning community, once again, not building, and in the world, do they see love? Am I known for love? They say, that Greg Simner. I don't understand some of his thinking. I don't understand. He, he believes in this guy called Jesus. I don't understand that. But you know what I do know about Greg Simner? He loves people. He's got a generous spirit. He's got a generous heart. He has hope within him. He speaks this hope language, not this down and out trodden language. He speaks something that I don't necessarily understand here, but my heart is drawn to it. And I think this is the question that the Father is asking the church right now. Because to be honest, we are amazing at putting on massive shows and inviting a whole lot of people to hear guys like Reinhard Bonnke and Joyce Meyer and all this great stuff. I'm not knocking that. But are we known for the core basic element of what we're supposed to be known for and do that? Because this tells me without love, all that is a complete load of put politely. God says, I don't give a toss if you're a great prophet, son. If you don't love, you're a gong. I don't really care if you can play all the licks on that thing and look cool. And If you don't love, it's just noise. He even says, I don't even need your music. It's in the Old Testament. And this has been challenging me and I've been challenging us with this question. Am I known for love? And here's my main thought tonight. Because if I'm being honest and I say this with humility, I don't believe the church on a whole is known for love. I think we're known for what we stand against more than what we believe. You see, Jesus never came and set up an establishment and went, right, everyone needs to conform to this. What he did is he came and he set up his kingdom and said, I'm going to model something so completely different that Rome will come and look. He didn't go to Rome and say, right, this is how it's going to happen, boys. I'm going to change your political system. I'm going to put this in play, do that, that, that. No. The guys he got angry with were the religious folks who were self-righteous up themselves, thought they had all the answers, who actually hated the people he loved. And he said, you lot, you're like a brood of vipers. Got him killed, so you've got to be careful. (laughs) 
You see, he didn't come and establish his coming. Don't let's get mistaken. We need to make sure the right time, okay? He is coming to establish his kingdom governmentally. But right now he comes as a servant and this governmental rulership is in us. The kingdom of God is within you. So he wants to rule your heart and your life that you would appropriate a lifestyle that when you say love God and love others, people go, that man or woman does. They do. I know Ben and that's a living reality. I've seen him, experienced it and seen it modeled. It's not something Ben gives lip service to, but his actions don't match up with his words. The Bible calls that double-mindedness and blind leads the blind. And so I'm wrestling with this and going, man, we know how to do all this stuff, but do we actually know how to fulfill the core commandment? And the reason, one of the reasons why, and this is my key thought, so if you want to write anything down, it's this, is that our focus determines our interests and our interests determine our actions. So our focus, what we focus on, will determine what we are interested in. Okay, And what we're interested in will determine our lives. Matthew 6, 21 says this way, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I used to think that said, where your heart is, your treasure will be. <laughs> Till you read it properly. Where your treasure is, there you will find my heart. So that means what we love, what we value, what we see as a priority, what we decide to spend our precious time on, here is the place that you will find a person's heart. So as a first place priority, if the church thinks it's about going to make disciples and reaching a lost world, as a first place priority, that's where we will spend our time and our focus and our interests. Won't it? If it's about the commandment, about loving God and loving people, that's where we will spend our time and our focus and passion. Now, I've just got to ask you, the simple question is this, is the church known for love on a whole? And where is the church spending most of its focus? Here. I've been guilty of it. I preached it. And up until three and a half years ago, when God revealed to me something, son, he said, lead them to me. Stop leading them to the lost. Because you need to lead them to me because a lot of them don't know me. And you're trying to lead them to a place they've never been because they have no understanding of who they are and who I am to them. If you lead them to me, they will fulfill this. That will, this will be a natural outworking of that. This is how I do it, Greg. And you know what? It's the most humbling experience to be broken down by him and go, I got it wrong. And I thought I had it right. Hear me. This is still really important. Okay? We're called to do this, but from this posture. And it's so subtle. And the enemy comes in. He goes, I've got to stop this somehow. So let me just do this. He's great at doing that. Think about this. God says, love me with what? Your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Okay? Your heart is of the Spirit. Love me with this heart, this intimacy. Heart, soul, with your mind, your will and your emotions. Heart, soul, mind. Have the mind of Christ. And then, heart, soul, mind, you'll go in my strength. Okay? This is what the enemy comes to do. He comes to flip it or turn it up on its head. I'll get the church working in their own strength. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. We have to do this. You get exhausted in your own strength. Then I'll get them trying to figure it out in their minds. And say, oh man, what's going on? I'm trying to figure this all out. Then it goes into your soul, your mind, your will, emotions. They get all bent up and twisted out of shape because this isn't working because I'm not flowing in this divine order. Hits your heart, you get a hardened heart. Because it doesn't work that way around. And the Bible screams this. It's in me. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul said, I've got to move out the way and allow him to come through me. But it's a work of the Spirit. And people like me and people that you know are wired a certain way, I think struggle with this more than others. Because I'm going to make a difference for Jesus. I was born to make a difference. And I'm going to get out there and put my stamp on the world. And you're going to look and you're going to see 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 people. We're going to have the greatest. And he goes, really? Really? Man, most of my guys walked away from me. <laughs> only had 12. <laughs> How many did you want? You can only handle 12. I can only handle 12. <laughs> he was the greatest micro leader on the planet. We talk about these mega churches. This is what this guy, Phil Platt, says. He, he says, you know, I was a micro church. I realized that I'm leading a macro mega church, 25,000 people. He said, but the guy that I follow was a micro leader. He spent three years with 12 men. You think about it, it's like, man, it's so upside down. You see, the enemy's ploy is to turn everything on its head. He takes the truth. He doesn't create truth. He just redefines it. It is written. Did you really say this? Did he really say that? So when God comes and God says the greatest commandment on the planet, I'm taking all these scriptures, this, this, this law, and I'm going to put it into a simple sentence for you that you can capture. Love me with your whole being. Flowing from that divine order, because that's the spirit down. Not the flesh up, the spirit down. Man of the flesh does not understand the things of the spirit, Romans 8 teaches us. We try to. We wonder why we end up at these frustrated places, and we point the finger at him. He's not the problem. <laughs> if you haven't figured that we're the problem yet, quickly figure that out. I am the problem. He's not. He's given me everything I need. I just need to get out of the way and allow him to come through. And he says, here's the commandment. But somehow the church is either known for everything we, we, we stand against or we are so consumed. And what we do is we, we tire the church out because we're leading them down a pathway 
And yet they don't have necessarily this greater reality of the Father. And so they're doing it works mentality. We're doing it because of guilt and fear and because the dude at the front told me to, not because the Father is leading the process. It's still important to do. But, you know, God is big enough to carry it. God is big enough to carry while you're... I'm not saying you sit... Now, listen to me. I'm not saying you sit here and you wait your whole life to get a revelation because this is the other tension in this journey, Okay. But what I'm saying is God is big enough to handle while you're seeking intimacy with him and asking for this and stepping out maybe in little things and walking in discipleship with others. He's big enough to carry that while other people have received this and are off on on the races and they're doing things like the Christ flowing through him. Remember what Jesus said? I can do nothing on my own initiative, only what the Father tells me to do. So you're in this zone. He's big enough to cover all that. But what about the people that are going to hell? Well, he's big enough to carry that. He was big enough to send Moses in the desert for 40 years while one man got his life sorted out through the Father while all these Israelites were screaming. Think about that. One man, you, in the wilderness for 40 years. Millions of Israelites. Ah! God's like going... Yeah, I'm just waiting for this guy to get ready, then we're going to have him deal with you. (laughs) Hurry up. He's comfortable with all that. He's comfortable. It's not his heart, but God allows stuff, doesn't he? He allows there to be stuff. Man, I've just been to somewhere where it wrecked your heart. Seeing, I saw a man with a blown-off leg begging for money. He's comfortable. He hurts him. We could be doing something about it. I gave the man some money, but somehow God is in complete control of everything. And he holds it all. And I'm not. But I need to be. I need to come into this posture where I'm finding, discovering things in him. Because listen, I'll do, come to Romans, uh, sorry, John 14. And I'll just read this because... I read this the other day. I've never seen it, although I've highlighted it. <laughs> How crazy is that? So I must have read it at one point. I thought, man, that's good. Then I forgot about it. Listen, this is what it says in 14.21. He who has my commandments. Okay? He, he or she. He who has my commandments and keeps them. There's only two simple things. Love me and love people, but it's deep. Okay? He who has my command and keeps them is the one who loves me. That's big. You know when I talked about lip service? It's easy to say you love them. It's another thing to actually, for those words to be backed up with action. Okay? And he loves, sorry, and he loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. This is the bit I love. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. I will reveal myself to him. As we follow the commandments, let's just put the commission over there for a minute and follow the commandments. Because that word love, agapeho, means to be consumed by where you actually disappear. So you can imagine Jesus is here and Greg's here and Jesus says, Greg, I want you to love me. I want you to agapeho me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. You would see Greg come forward and just merge into Christ. 
or you see as Christ now. Greek doesn't exist. I love this saying. You know, I said, we're to love one another as Christ loves us. I love this. That'll be the death of me. If I love you as Christ loves me, I will die. The death of self. This is why it's so important, the commandments first. Because as you die and love the Father with everything you have, you know what's happening in that process? He, his way, the way he thinks, the way he lives, the way he sees is being formed in you. Then he says, now go into the world and make disciples through this process. Because discipleship is formation and application. We've just made it all about the application. I'm going to show you how to pray, preach, reach the lost, read your Bible. Cool. One part of a two-part picture. Christ, Paul said, I'm in, labor in, I'm in labor with you until Christ is formed in you. See, it's always two parts. So why, and I say this again, why isn't the church known for love when it's a commandment? Because our focus determines our interests and our interests determine our actions. I'm just going to give you one other scripture. Come with me to John 13. And I'll show you this in reality. So if you think about this, that what I'm saying to you tonight is I believe that the church's focus is on reaching a lost world and going out, which in essence is right, absolutely, but it's number two. It's not number one. It's two. Okay, I'm going to show you a passage of scripture and it's fascinating. And this spoke to me and it speaks to me about me. So John 13 verses 34. <clears throat> Actually, just before this, go to uh, 33. And I'll wait for everyone to get there. John 13, 33. Because this is what happens when it becomes about our focus. Okay? When we haven't been totally transformed yet, we're going to see what happens. So Jesus says this, little children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Okay? So he's about to go. He's going to die. He's going to Jerusalem. He's going to die. He's going to the ground for three days. He's going to be resurrected. And then he's going to the Father. And you can't go there yet. You're going to come at some point, but you can't go there now. So then he paints this. Then he says this in verse 34. <clears throat> he says, knowing all this, guys, okay, I'm going to give you a new command. A new commandment I give you is this, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men, okay, all men, women, children, people, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other scriptures, it says that a world will know that Jesus was sent if the church loves one another and comes to this place of unity. See, it's so nothing to do with going out firstly. It's about us modeling another kingdom, modeling a love that can't be found on the world, modeling it so they can see it. It's easy to go 
hear my heart again. I'm loving the, I love, I love lost people. I love hanging out with them. I love sharing the gospel with them. But it's easy to go and do that. Or easier, because it can be fearful, can't it? Than it is to love Kirk. Why is it you give your wife or your husband or your kids the hardest time? Why is it the ones that are closest to you, you hurt them more than the people you talk to? The way I talk to Danielle, I'll never talk to Anwar. I'm supposed to love Danielle. What's, what's that about? You see, it's actually, Jesus knows. He's like, you know what? Talk's cheap. Anyone can give it all that verbally. But can people see it? Can they taste it? Taste and see that the Lord is good? Well, Jesus modeled it. He said, you'll know my people, my followers, because they'll look like me. They'll love like me. They'll act like me. They'll have generosity like me. They'll have love like me and mercy and peace and joy. They won't be anxious about anything. You'll know them. You'll see it. It'll be like, whoa, who's that? You know, look at us. Look at us, the man on the temple. What we have is not money or gold, but what we have, boom, have it, healed. These people are different people than the people on the planet Earth. They're anchored in another reality, living on the earth. So he says this, a new commandment, because man, guys, people know it. They can smell it. They can smell a fake. They can smell churchianity a mile away. The church sometimes can't. We run to it. They can smell it. Trust me. I have my mates. Man, what's with that guy and that guy and that guy? Man, what's that? And yet... Christians, run to it. You'll know these people by the way they love. God, I'm giving you a commandment. I'm going to go. This is what's really important. Okay? Are you with me? This is really important, he's saying here. Now, let's look at Peter's response. Because this is beautiful. God bless Peter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Verse 37, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay my life down for you. He's not interested in the commandment he was just given. He wants to go and be superhero with Jesus. I will lay my life down for you. How many know he didn't quite pass that test? When he was presented with the opportunity to lay his life down, off he went. Why? Because the love element had not been formed in him where he can stand there and go, I'm laying it down. He did, didn't he? The man went to the cross. That's what Jesus was saying to him. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. No, do you love me? I'm getting really angry with you. Of course I love you. Why are you asking me this stupid question? Because Jesus is going, you don't love me unconditionally yet. You don't love me the way I love you or the way you're supposed to. Because you skipped the commandment. You're too busy trying to be a superhero with your cape on, winning the world for me, when all I actually asked you to do was love these other men. There is gold 
in the commandment. Absolute gold that will transform you and I because we lose ourselves in the commandment. And then when we go, we actually stand as pillars that support truth when the opposition comes and we bring hope to the world. And this is what we have to learn from this. But see, our focus is not on the commandment. And God right now is going like this. That's what he did to me three years ago. He literally wrenched me. See, I love this thought. He wrestled with Jacob. Do you know why he wrestled with him and he didn't knock him out? What happens when you knock someone out? Yeah, but what can happen after they sort of wake up? What's the difference between boxing and wrestling? Let me put it that way. What happens in wrestling that doesn't necessarily happen in boxing? Good man. Submission. Wrestling, you have to tap out. You get in a hole. If I can just knock someone out, they get back up. They come at me again. When you make someone submit, I give up. You hearing me? God wants to wrestle with us. And in the wrestling, submit to me. Now, it's done through love. You've got to hear that. That word submit just means alignment. Come into my alignment. It's not get underneath me, boy. It's come into my alignment, son, and your life will be tragically transformed. But see, as long as our focus determines our interests, that determine our action, we'll miss out on something. And this is what I said this morning. It's already arrived. The kingdom reality has already come. He's coming physically to set up another, another governmental rulership. But we're praying prayers. He's saying, it's done. Change this mind because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God has just arrived. It's an internal, invisible transformation of you. And if you allow me to do the work, you'll come into and become this well, which is John 7, 37 to 39, this wellspring. And the church prays prayers and it's already happened. We just don't have the revelation of who is within us. So the prayer needs to shift from this. Father, reveal to me what's in me. Lead me and show me as I seek you and ask you through intimacy. Because it says, whoever, anyone, anyone who's thirsty... Anyone who's thirsty, I talked this morning about this water and this woman was looking for water that quenches for a moment. And Jesus said, I'll give you water that quenches your whole life. I'll give you something within you that you will not longer crave for water. It will just be constantly flowing out of you. If any man is thirsty, anyone thirsty tonight? I am right now physically. If any man is thirsty, let them come to me. And drink. Partake of me. Okay? So you've got to be thirsty. You've got to be hungry. If you're hungry, let them come to me. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who holds all things. His heart is to lead you and I into all truth. That's what he says. It's a promise. My Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. I will be with you from the end of the age. He says to this woman, she says, the Messiah will come and he will tell us all things. He says, well, I'm here. Have you got ears to hear what I'm about to say? And she's still thinking about water. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture of us. 
But anyway, if you're thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So you've got hungry, thirsty, you've got intimacy. And he who believes in me, as my living word says, so you need faith, from them will come, promise again, not a trickle, not just a drop. I don't know if you guys know, we've had gallons of water being burst forth out in this car park this morning. The pipe burst under the concrete and the water has been, we've lost, that was crazy. The guys just, I thought, man, I don't know whether you did that for my message today, God, but thanks. Although there's a water man on, I'm not sort of thanking you for that, but you know what? It didn't come from the concrete up. It came from under the concrete. See, you can't just add layer upon layer of hard surface. It's got to come from within. From within you will flow rivers of living water. See, God's trying to lead his church to a place of such authenticity with the Spirit of God because it says he does not give the Spirit without, without limit. There's no limit to this thing. Just how hungry are you? How much do you want of me? Because I want to give all of me in you, coming out of you, overflowing you, where you will be a well that will not only be alive yourself, but you'll refresh others as you go. And that was the prophetic word we got three years ago from Dave McCracken, who said, I see wells, people going out and refreshing others. Not just through, once again, preaching the word and all that, but who they are. The very source of who you are becomes just a well. So when you walk into a room without saying a thing, giving away anything, people are like, who's that? Anyone know who that is? And when you open your mouth, there's just this aroma and radiance that comes forth, the smell that people are just drawn to. And as you start to share and just divulge Christ and wisdom and just maybe maybe it is lay hands for a healing. Maybe it is a word of knowledge. Maybe it is something, but that just comes out of you. It's Christ in you because you've been eradicated of you. You don't exist. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, your grace is sufficient for me when, when I am weak. Then I'm strong. You've got to hear what he's saying. When I'm weak, when I'm at the end of me, when I come to that place where I realize I can't do it, then I enter into a realm where Christ in me is what comes forth. And it's not me, it's Christ in me. So you utter things of the Spirit that you have no idea you've even said. And I'm going to finish with this. And this happened to me physically three weeks ago in the morning. And I just say this as an example, is that <laughs> for an hour and 10 minutes, I said some stuff and I went, I don't know if you've ever, maybe if you've ever spoken, you'd realize this, you go, where's this coming from? That thing was closed and still over there under the chair. And this constant river of stuff was just coming out of me. And I'm like, and I was driving home, I said to Danielle, that's going to happen again, but I don't have a clue how that happened. And the only way I could describe it was like this. A builder can build a house to a pattern 
and build the exact house next door because he knows exactly how he does it. Well, I'm telling you, I couldn't do that again. I had no clue how it happened. Although I knew I was the one speaking and walking around saying this stuff. And so people said, well, what did you say? Well, it was amazing. I said, what did I say? Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, what did I say? I don't know what I said. When I am weak, when I get this out the way and all my clever framework and all my clever notes, although the framework empowers this, he's free to come. When you're a place of vulnerability and absolutely pooing yourself on the edge of you going, I have the chance to look like an absolute idiot in front of three, four hundred people today because I'm in a place where if you don't come through, I'm supposed to have it together and I'm going to look like a dick. (laughs) And Paul says this, you took me to the place of death that I would trust in you and that I would die. And and that day I saw God in a magnitude I've never seen him before in my own speaking. I want more of that. And it's, but you know, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be so vulnerable because that's where my grace is sufficient. Move out the way in your own strength and your own ability and go to that place of being absolutely like I was when I jumped out of the airplane. And you've got to launch into the air to experience the thrill of skydiving. You don't experience it while you're still sitting in the plane, do you? See, our focus, guys, needs to get back on the commandment. And as we allow the commandment to define us, the commission will happen. But it will be charged with the power of God. And it won't feel like something you've got to do. It will be something that you just do because it will flow out of you like the river. It never is about... Figuring out, firstly, it's never about the, the what and, and, and the how. It's the who and the why. You get who and the why sorted out through revelation. It just flows. It literally, it just flows from you. No different to anything that's innate. And I said this last thing. We don't do Christianity. We are it. I don't do it. It's who we are. It's natural because it's of the Spirit. And so, Lord, tonight I want to thank you for what you're doing here at The Rock. I want to thank you for the work and and the vulnerability of our hearts before you. I want to thank you for every single person that one calls this place their home and for those that you're drawing here to make it their home to be part of a community that lays its life down, is abandoned to you in your ways, to glorify your name. Lord, as we continue just to allow you to define every area of our life, give us the courage and the strength to let go. Give us the faith. Give us friends and family around us who will encourage us to say, let go, because we're going to walk this together. Father, so I pray tonight, Lord, that we have heard what you wanted to say. It'll be different probably for every person, but I pray we've heard, and I pray we'll activate whatever that thing is and be faithful, Lord, to seek you on it. And so, God, I thank you for tonight. I 
thank you for this time, this precious time that we've had and will continue to have as maybe in the cafe and as we worship you more. But Lord, I just pray for your work to be done in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.